Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler. We talk money, investing, financial planning, retirement planning, and just whatever happens to be in the news. Ira Work here with me. All right. So I want to circle back to the last conversation we had in okay. the last segment. Okay. Which one? Uh, about the bricks. <laughs> we were all over the place. About the okay. bricks. About the, the bricks. last conversation. Got it. So, uh, so it sounded as Brazil, you, Russia, India, China. Uh, and South Africa. Not, not, not housing materials. Right. Okay. So it, it kind of sounded there for a minute like you were saying people shouldn't invest in emerging markets. Oh, well, thank you very much. No, we should, but we ought to watch it because sometimes this is this, this question. I didn't really give the question that was asked, but it was, hey, let's just go put everything there. That was kind of the question. Oh, should we put everything it, in emerging yeah, markets? Yeah, it was actually the opposite of what you might think. It was like, hey, should we, you know, let's go. This looks like an opportunity. We ought to do this. And I was pointing out. Yeah, thanks. No, that it was actually not necessarily an opportunity, and these economies were actually underperforming pretty significantly. Yeah, so I think probably seeing they were probably seeing some old information. Ira was what it was because it was only what a few years ago. That's all people could talk about was the BRICS. Right. And that's part of the problem. Because when I saw that article in Reuters, to me that was just a perfect example of data mining. Mm -hmm. finding something, finding data to actually prove what you want to say. Well, yeah, that's how they got people to invest in it in the first place. Mm -hmm. They mined data and they found a couple countries that had really good performance. Right. Because they did. Those countries had great performance. Because, you know, the emerging markets is, is very similar to like small value companies in the U.S. or, yeah. in the, or sure. even in the developed countries, the small value. Um where it does have historically yeah. much better returns historically because of the cost of capital and having to pay more for the use of the money. Yeah. But at the same time, you might have to wait. Risk and return many, many, are related. Yeah, you may have to wait many, many years to actually see those areas of the market give you those better returns to boost the overall portfolio. And, you know, that's, that's a thing that uh, people miss. You know, when you invest... And you look at, now typically, if you're going through the investments in a 401k and you're going, hey, which one of these things should I choose? Uh, well, this one had a pretty good return. You know, target date funds, even though they dominate right now, even though they dominate, they've been around a long time. Mm -hmm. And if you go back 10 years, nobody wanted anything to do with them. And the reason was is that what dominates target date funds, target 2030 fund, you're going to retire in 2030, you buy a target 2030 fund. You know, as a matter of fact, that is typically what they default you into when you start a 401k. T 2040 fund, 2050 fund, whatever. They are dominated by large U.S. companies in those portfolios, right? Well, back 10 years ago, I didn't have to really twist people's arms not to use the target date fund, but to actually develop the portfolio and put it together and design your own. And this is when, when we would guide them and go, hey, we're going to set it up. You don't change it. You know, when we set it up, you're not making constant changes. You know, people think, well, what if I have you set it up and then, you know, you're not 
you know, what, what happens? Um, well, you don't have to change it. You know, you change every once in a while. There are little tweaks that you do, but it's, it's not a big deal. But the target day fund, the whole idea, the appeal is that I just put my money in this thing and I don't do anything else. Well, what they do is they overweight big U.S. companies. And 10, 12 years ago, big U.S. companies were, you know, good grief. Their 12-year track record was zip. No return whatsoever. So to talk somebody out of investing in something that had a track record that, that was that bad, that was a pretty easy sell. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you don't have to tell me twice to not invest in that, Paul, you know. But, but here's what happened. In more recent years, especially when Trump was in, especially then, and that really was all of it. When Trump was in office, that particular area of the market was shining, which is really ironic because what is when people talk about Trump, they say, what do you think of him as in a way is kind of anti-establishment in a way, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the, how you think about him. He's anti-establishment. You know, he's kind of like, hey, let's break up the big system and don't necessarily trust these big companies, these big tech companies. But these big tech companies thrived when he was in office is the reality of things. Oh, yeah. And what happened is they got bigger and they got bigger and they got bigger. And a lot of these portfolios, which are dominated by these huge companies, really benefited. Now, if you look at year to year to date, you know, we had that again. But if you look at the and, and so far this year, because of AI, you know, you've had changes in that particular area of the market. But if you look at since Biden got in, it's not the case. It is not, even with as good as large UF has, has done so far this year, it is still not the case. You look at that previous decade, you dead decade, no return whatsoever. So what happens is that in periods of time where, like if you look at recently, where those bigger companies have thrived, you know, people look at it and go, you know, gosh. And, you know, so you can go long periods of time with no return, then you can go periods of time with great returns. But as what Ira is saying, some of these market segments like small and, and value and, and, and just value companies in general, which are, are more stodgy companies, the expected return is actually higher. And historically, the returns, if you, if you look at enough data, you go, there's, it's, it's, you know, you look at periods of time, you go, yeah, this is smaller companies, emerging markets. But this is why you don't put all your money there. And when you invest, one of the things that's really, really interesting about the data on investment markets is if I take something that's really volatile looking, like emerging markets, if I look at small companies, I look at distressed companies, and I look at small international companies, what we know from the data is that when we add these things to a portfolio of, let's say, large U.S. stocks, and we, we put these together, because they don't have their great periods of return at the same time, it ends up, what we've seen historically is brings down the volatility. And the reason that is so stinking important is if you can bring down the volatility of the portfolio, you give yourself a better idea of what you might see as far as accumulations in the future. And that was what won the Nobel Prize in 1990 is this idea of putting things together and it makes sense that this would be the case and that's exactly why we do this when when you invest that's what you're looking for 
But, you know, for so many, you know, people look at this stuff and they go, hey, this is an opportunity. Bricks, wow, this is, yeah, these are really great companies. And, you know, you go, you know, but, you know, and then you go, well, what is Bricks? <laughs> Brazil, uh, uh, Russia, oh, <laughs> India, okay, well, you know, they got, you know, a lot of engineers, they got a lot, of, but, you know, they're even struggling to some extent yeah. because AI is affecting some of the knowledge base, you know, because AI is a, it, it gets rid of redundant uh, like you know, like when you had the industrial revolution you got rid of redundant activities of people that were physical in nature mm -hmm. physical labor now you got mental labor the possibility of some mental labor not being needed and you know you look at it you just don't know what industries you know that may be affected negatively by this but india has actually been negatively affected by that to some extent well it's kind of like the self-service at the supermarket you know, yeah, getting rid of the cashiers. What well, you know, good example? You know, yeah, um, which is saving money for the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we look at these countries that are in here, China is the, is the fourth one: uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China. And you go, well, yeah. Now I'm looking at it and going, wow. Why did people get really excited about this? Well, it's only in hindsight that we now look and go, man, that was obvious, and and we never fell for it because we don't fall for those types of things. We don't ever concentrate portfolios. We don't ever, because that's just our background and academics just tell us don't do that. But why did a lot of people fall for it? Because nobody knew that Russia was going to invade Ukraine. I mean, it wasn't obvious four years ago, five, six years ago, that that was going to happen. You know, nobody radar on your radar screen, COVID was not on your radar screen. That's not something anybody thought about. You know, so hence that's that's why it's so so challenging. Okay, so um, I thought this was interesting. Our uh, seven reasons not to make a Roth contribution. Uh, I I haven't even seen this, but inability to solve the five to to satisfy the five year rule. Uh, people don't recognize when you put money into a Roth IRA, you got you got to have you have a five year rule, and if you don't put that in there you can end up with a penalty and taxes on the interest was one of the reasons that they gave. Uh, there, there can be reasons to not worry about that so much because one of the things you don't recognize, this is not in this particular article from Think Advisor, was that the fact that when you need money back out of a Roth IRA, uh, it's first in, first out. So it is your principal that comes out first. You know, So a lot of people will, you know, may need did, uh, I, it's, it's even bad to tell you this, isn't it? Because you may think it's a, an emergency fund, <laughs> Roth IRA, right? But you're about to say something. Go. Yeah, well, you know, when I think of a Roth IRA, I think of a retirement account. Right. And you, you shouldn't be putting money you be into it that a retirement way anyway, right? account that five years you anyway. may need, which is one of the reasons why we always recommend you have three to six months of cash reserves as an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go to your Roth IRA. And it would be the same thing for a traditional IRA. Don't put money in if you're going to need it in five years unless you're 55. Well, I, as a matter of fact, there was another article that was talking about talking to financial advisors and going, would you trust your client with a credit card on their 401k? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, that's not a bad point. Uh, yeah. We had, you know, brokerage accounts. There are investment firms. Let's say if you have a an investment account that's in mutual funds. There are a lot of broker dealers 
and custodians, as we mm -hmm. call them, yep. that will actually let you have a credit card on your non-qualified account. And it was interesting, 20 years ago, I thought, hey, this is a pretty cool idea. And what happened is I had clients that actually said, I, you know, I don't think I want that credit card on that because I might be tempted to spend it more quickly if it were on a credit card. And I thought, you know, they, they have a good point there, but you know, there, there exists. Second reason not to do with the Roth IRA, high tax bracket. Uh, you know, so in, you can make a point for that. That one makes sense to me. You, you can make a point for it. So if you're, let's say you're in a high tax rate and likelihood in the future is that you might be in a lower tax rate, Roth IRAs don't make much sense. You don't want to pay taxes now to actually avoid a lower tax rate in the future. But, you know, depending upon what your income level is pushing you into that high tax rate, you might not even be eligible for a Roth IRA. Well, yeah, for, right, to, to contribute. Well, to contribute. You, but, you, but I'm thinking in terms of what if you were doing a conversion of an, I, an IRA into a Roth. And, so, you know, and, that's a way around it. And, I, you know, in my conspiracy theory part of me. No, that's not you, is it? Um, you know, a little, being a little skeptical, you know, I, I get concerned about people, you know, doing conversions or the backdoor Roth IRA, um, you know, for the simple reason that, you know, Social Security was originally set up as a tax-free income. Mm -hmm. Then that became taxable at 50%, mm -hmm. up to, you know, up to 50% of your Social Security. Then up to 85% of your Social Security became taxable. Right. Municipal bonds were always tax-free until the government came up with, sure. well, sure. Um, a lot of rich people are putting all their money into tax-free bonds, so we're not getting any taxes out of them. So let's come up with an alternative minimum tax. So so we look at this, so you're in a high tax bracket. What's the highest tax bracket? It's 37%, okay? So we're looking at it going, could you be in a higher bracket in the future? There are a lot of financial firms that are out there selling the idea that taxes are going to go up. They're going to go up. They're going to go up. They're going to go up. And, you know, and I've talked about, you know, I've talked about the possibility of consumption taxes. Mm -hmm. You know, the possibility is that we won't raise the tax brackets, but what we're going to do is going to say, Mason, guess what? Every time you buy something, you're going to have not only the sales tax on it, but we're going to have another 5% tax on it or 2% tax on everything you buy. 2% is nothing. But what we'll be able to do is reduce the income tax rates down. We'll drop the income tax. Instead of 37%, the top rate will be what it was under Reagan, 28%. And what we'll do, we'll drop it from 37 to 28. But in order to make sure we got revenue come in, we'll just put a consumption tax. So every time you buy a loaf of bread, there's a 2% tax on it. That's one thing. What's another thing that is just being announced that makes that even a greater possibility? I don't know. I'm just guessing. There is a new bill out right now, another stinking new bill, saying, hey, let's tax everybody making more than 400000 because you're going to be in that 37% tax bracket. Pretty close. It's, it's a little bit higher than that before you get there. But we're going to make you pay Social Security taxes on all your income. That's the new bill out right now. So in essence, what happens normally is it's approximately 150000 If you make up to 150000 of income, you pay Social Security taxes, 6.2%. Your employer matches 6.2%. So in effect, about 
you know, over 12%, right? Now, what happens is that you don't have to pay taxes over 150 grand approximately in income, but you don't get any benefit from Social Security either. But they're saying, well, Social Security is broke. You know, we could make it, we could make it run for another 40 years. This is how they're selling it. If we actually increase the taxes and you have to pay taxes on all your income above 400,000. So imagine yourself, you're that rich person, that person making decent income, and you're paying 37% in taxes and somebody tells you you're self-employed. So you got another 12, you're up to 50% of your income going out in taxes. And then you decide, you know what? I think I'm going to take my toys and I'm just going to go home and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do something else. I'm going to, I'm going to go take, maybe I, you know, you're looking at the most mobile group in the entire world, rich people who say like the Rolling Stones did in the early seventies, we're going to go and we're going to record this album in another country because our country charges too much in taxes. So what happens is they start to do that. And then you guys, somebody comes in and says, no, 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 no. You guys don't have to leave. We're going to lower the tax rates down. We're going to still have the social security because social security, a lot of people don't recognize this. They don't know this is actually on a separate accounting than the rest of the federal budget. Totally separate. So what we could do is we could say we could make this solvent by increasing taxes for Social Security, but we're going to take this separate item here, which is called our income taxes, and we're going to lower those so these people don't get too mad. Because yes, 50% is ridiculous. And then what happens is then you have consumption taxes, and then your Roth IRA conversion at those high tax rates doesn't seem to make as much sense anymore. Mm -hmm. Possible. I don't know. I don't know. But it's just, this is infinitely interesting to me how this may all play out. I don't know how it's going to play out, but that's kind of where my, my brain is regarding this. And um, so I, I agree with that particular item on there. Social security taxes is another one. Uh, you know, the working drawing social security benefits, uh, social security recipients, 85% of the benefits can be taxable. Actually, this would be a reason to put money in a Roth IRA at this point, because your, your Roth IRA distributions aren't subject to social security. It doesn't create social security tax. So I don't know where they were going in, in that particular one. Medicare surcharges. Um, oh, you know what it was? I know what it was. They're talking about, I know, I know where they were going. If you convert your Roth, your IRA to a Roth IRA while you're receiving social security, you can create taxation on your social security. That's where they're going. That makes sense to me. And because the Medicare surcharges, you've got the Irma, you can actually create Medicare surcharges. So you've got to be super, super careful. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. 
Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.